But wait, there's more. Hi, everybody. It's Terry O'Reilly here, and we're happy to announce something we've never offered before. It's our But Wait, There's More subscriber package. If you're a fan of Under the Influence, you'll get more than ever before. You'll get more bonus episodes like the live recording and audience Q&A we did recently at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival, exclusive for subscribers only. You'll get more podcasts with additional stories. You'll get early access so you can listen to all of our new shows before anyone else. You'll get all of our episodes, including archives, ad-free. Tisk tisk. I won't judge. You'll be invited to Ask Me Anything sit-down chats with yours truly. You'll get first dibs on tickets for live events. You'll get big discounts on Under the Influence merchandise. And that's only the beginning, all for a few bucks a month. Just go to our show page on Apple Podcasts and tap Try Free to start your free seven-day trial. Membership has its privileges. Hmm, you should copyright that. 
In what order should the songs flow? And importantly, what should the closing song be? What is the parting thought? When the wild 60s were coming to a close, the Rolling Stones released a record titled Let It Bleed. It contained some of their best-known songs, including Gimme Shelter and Midnight Rambler. But the closing song on the album was destined to become a classic. It was called You Can't Always Get What You Want. It was the first song recorded for the album, but when the album was sequenced, it was placed last. Charlie Watts isn't drumming on it, by the way. Jagger said Charlie couldn't quite get the groove, so another drummer was used. Released in December of 1969, the closing song on the album was a perfect way to close the door on the 60s. Purple Rain was a big album for Prince and the Revolution, and it was a soundtrack to the film of the same name. The last song on the 1984 album was the title track. Surprisingly, Purple Rain was originally written as a country song. Prince had asked Stevie Nicks to write the lyrics, but she found it overwhelming and couldn't do it. When Prince played the Super Bowl, it started to rain during the performance. Many consider it one of the most memorable Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. Purple Rain is also the last song Prince ever played live in Atlanta one week before he died. London Calling was the third studio album done by The Clash. It was a double album, and the cover was an homage to Elvis Presley's debut album, utilizing the same basic design and green and pink typography colors. The closing song on the album was Train in Vain. The song wasn't listed on the original London Calling album. Some called it a hidden track. But it was written at the last minute, and the album jacket, insert lyrics, and vinyl label had already been printed. But the title was scratched into the runoff groove of the last side of the four-sided record. That last hidden song became one of The Clash's greatest hits. No list of the greatest closing album songs would be complete without possibly the greatest one of all. A Day in the Life. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was meant to be a concept album, with the Beatles taking on the persona of another band. The album opens with the song Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and ends with a reprise of Sgt. Pepper. As the crowd applauds, the majestic A Day in the Life appears almost as an encore. It was the perfect Lennon-McCartney alchemy, featuring two distinct writing styles coming together to form a legendary song. The track took 34 hours to record. The Beatles' entire debut album Please Please Me only took 15 hours in total. The song has perhaps the most famous final chord in rock history, lasting a full 42 seconds. That final chord inspired this. Deep Note, the THX sound trademark from Lucasfilm. 
welcome to our annual Ask Terry episode. We put out a call for questions and we received the most responses we've ever had in our 16 years on the air. I'll try and answer as many as I can in the next half hour. You've asked about everything from advertising history to inappropriate content to what happens when spokespeople get replaced to why creative ad agencies have such boring names. And the perennial question was asked again this year. Why is most advertising so bad? Instagram at more than a mover begins our show today with a musical question. Terry, the name of my company is more than a mover. And we've always joked that our theme song should be a riff on the classic Bee Gees song, more than a woman, because people would instantly recognize the tune. Would a small company like mine be able to use a famous song without risk of copyright infringement? Well, let me say this about that. When you have a piece of music that smacks of a famous song or was inspired by a famous song, the risk is... If you have music that is really similar to a famous song, and I mean really similar, the risk factor is... And if you are thinking of using a famous song and just changing the lyrics without getting permission or paying licensing fees, the risk is this... Don't do that. Stay away from famous songs unless you can afford the hefty licensing fees. Remember that record companies encode their songs and can use algorithms to sniff out who is using them illegally. Same goes for podcasters. Copyright songs are not allowed in podcasts. By the way, Ron Kearns asks if the Under the Influence theme song is available to listeners. Yes, it is. You can find it on iTunes. Search Under the Influence theme. And speaking of music, at MomKlein2 asks, In our family, it was known that the jingle for Smarties was written by a great uncle. How can I research this? Well, I gotcha. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? Do you suck them very slowly or crunch them very fast? Eat the candy and milk chocolate, but tell me when I ask. When you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? That famous ditty was written by my friend Gary Gray. Not sure if he's your great uncle or not, but he's the father of that jingle. On Facebook, Pamela Duncan asks a very amusing question. For a group of creative people, why are advertising agency names so boring? They sound like old law firms. True. When advertising became an industry in the 1920s, the trend was to name the firm after its founders, like Batten, Barton, Durston, and Osborne. Those important-sounding names gave companies credibility. Considering marketing is one of the few things advertisers buy mostly on faith, ad agencies needed to project a steadfast image and borrowing from the law industry gave them that. And who knows more about projecting an image than an advertising agency? One of my favorite ad agency names was 
Miller, Myers, Bruce, Delacosta, Herod, and Merlin. That was an advertising agency back in the 80s, and it was a highly creative one. They billed themselves as the biggest name in Canadian advertising. Ian Merlin told me that on the agency's first anniversary, they gave each staff member a personalized sweater emblazoned with the agency's name, along with the staff member's name added to it. Thus, Miller Myers, Bruce, Delacosta, Herod, and Merlin, and Smith. As if the name wasn't long enough already. But that said, there are actually a lot of creative ad agency names. Here are a few. There is a highly creative ad agency simply called Mother. It has offices in London, New York, Los Angeles, and Shanghai. All 500 staff members have pictures of their mothers up on a wall, on their business cards, and on the company website. There is an advertising agency in California called 72 and Sunny. The founders said that the advertising business had become a grind and was populated by cynical people back when they started in 2004. So they wanted to break free of that mindset. The name 72 and Sunny is meant to be positive and uplifting. 72 degrees Fahrenheit is said to be the ideal temperature and everyone loves a sunny day. The name is also an operating philosophy. They strive to maintain an optimistic way of doing business. There is another highly awarded ad agency called Droga 5. Founder David Droga had four brothers, so his mother devised a plan to keep the laundry straight. She would stitch a number into their underwear so she knew whose was whose. David was the youngest, so he was Droga 5. There's another agency in New York called Strawberry Frog. Founder Scott Goodson wanted a name that was the antithesis of typical Madison Avenue agencies, which he called Dinosaur Names. While searching for the opposite of dinosaur, he stumbled on the world's rarest frog, called the Strawberry Poison Dart Frog. It was extremely dangerous, with a red body and blue legs. And as anyone knows, the advertising agency uniform of choice is blue jeans. When Strawberry Frog was pitching a client in the early days, the director of marketing was intrigued, but said he couldn't take an agency named Strawberry Frog to his board of directors because they wouldn't take it seriously. Scott Goodson then asked, You use Google and Yahoo, don't you? The client instantly understood, and they got the business. There is another agency whose name I like. It's simply called Joan Creative. It's the inspiration for the name that I admire. The founders, both women, named their agency after famous Joans in history, like Joan of Arc, Joan Rivers, Joan Jett, and Joan from Mad Men. The J in Joan looks like a stylized sword a la Joan of Arc. So, in other words, the name of the agency is based in bravery. Speaking of Joan from Mad Men, Drew Gorgie asks on Twitter, 60-plus years beyond the Mad Men era, what would you say has changed the most in the ad agency world? 
and what has changed the least? Well, that's easy. It's almost the same answer for both. What's changed the most is that there are many more women employed in advertising agencies. What has changed the least is that not enough of those women are in power positions, like creative director and president, which, as I've said for years, does not make any sense. According to the 3% movement, which was formed to try and get women into creative director positions, the number of female creative directors stood at only 3% when the movement was formed in 2008. According to their research, there are only three categories where men dominate purchases. The other 85% of the goods and services in this world are purchased by women. Women aren't a subset. They are a superset. But the cautiously good news is that the percentage of women in executive positions at advertising, media, and tech firms jumped to 29% last year and took a further jump to 45% this year. The next hurdle is to close the pay gap. On Twitter, at NL Denise asks, If you could have been part of any advertising campaign in history, which one would you choose? Well, that's easy. The Volkswagen advertising of the 1960s. Best advertising ever done, in my opinion. Created by Doyle Dane Burnback. 20 years later, I got to work on Volkswagen at Doyle Dane Burnback, but I would have preferred to time travel back to the 60s. On Twitter, Officer Teresa asks, Have you narrated any audiobooks? Love your storytelling. Well, thanks, Officer Teresa. I have narrated two audiobooks, both of which I've written. The first is titled The Age of Persuasion, and the second is titled This I Know. I have a new book coming out in October called My Best Mistake. It's not about marketing, but I tell stories about people who made catastrophic career mistakes and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to them. I'll be narrating that audiobook when it comes out. On Twitter, Sean Melanson asks, Did you ever make an episode with content that was deemed inappropriate? Well... Without question, the episode that got the most pushback was the one titled Strange Bedfellows, Advertising and Porn, Season 5, Episode 18 and 19. Lately, advertisers big and small are starting to dip their media toes into the world of porn sites. Their rationale? The audiences on porn sites are huge and the ad rates are cheap. I felt it was a trend worth exploring. Most of the negative comments we received felt I was advocating porn just by talking about it, which I was not. As a matter of fact, I warned brands to stay away. But don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Season 10 of Under the Influence. If you're enjoying this episode, you might also like Delicious Names, Marketing Appetite Appeal, Season 7, Episode 5. It's free in our archives, wherever you download your pods. Every year for this episode, I get the perennial question... Why is most advertising so awful? That question was asked this year by Ted Dente at Norton Daputitat and others. Maybe the best answer to that question was found in another question posed by Randy Diplock. Randy asks, Why is it that exactly the wrong people are in charge of approving advertising ideas? Not just the wrong people, but exactly the wrong people. Well, Randy knows whereof he speaks. He is one of the most awarded advertising people in the country. There are several factors as to why so much advertising is bad. I've mentioned the reasons often in past episodes, like too much researching and focus group testing that sands the edges off a good idea, or when ideas often have to go through too many approval levels in a company, and the idea ends up limping to the finish line. But another very important reason is the one Randy identifies. Often, the people in the marketing department are the wrong people. Exactly the wrong people. Marketing is an area that can be a catch-all department at companies. When someone in some other department wants a promotion, they are often thrown into marketing. Could be someone in human resources, or someone in the purchasing department, or the boss's nephew. And so often... People assigned to the marketing department have no experience, no strategic insights, and no appreciation of the power of creative ideas. Which 
reminds me of a wise story an ad man named James Webb Young tells in his book, Diary of an Ad Man. Young was the creative director of the New York office of the J. Walter Thompson Advertising Agency. The CEO of a company complained to Young that he was not getting enough quality thinking from his ad agency. Young leveled with him and said the advertising manager between the ad agency and the CEO was not up to the task. Young summed it up perfectly by saying, Even when we had a four-inch flow at our end, only a two-inch stream got piped into the CEO. James Webb Young wrote that in 1944. Nothing has changed. In my career, I did get to work with some brilliant clients. But more often than not, we were dealing with people who had absolutely no inherent understanding or instincts for marketing. And there was nothing more demotivating than watching an amateur marketing person peck a great idea to death. Then, the ad agency gets blamed when the advertising doesn't work. So may I say to any CEOs listening, make sure you are assigning experienced and passionate people to your marketing department who are willing to inspire, defend, and protect bold ideas. That way, you'll get the full four-inch flow at your end. In other words, choose the right people, as opposed to the exact wrong people. On Facebook, John McRae asks an interesting question. When a brand loses or changes an established spokesperson, like the original Maytag repairman, does the public ever buy into the new person? Well, it's a case-by-case basis, I think. The Maytag Repairman campaign began way back in 1967. The advertising agency that created it was the Leo Burnett Company. Burnett was famous for creating ad mascots like Snap, Crackle and Pop, Tony the Tiger and the Jolly Green Giant. It was a fun and powerful advertising idea that a Maytag machine was so dependable, Maytag repairmen were bored and never needed. The first Maytag repairman was played by actor Jesse White. In the original commercial, we see the Maytag repairman doing something he would never do in any other commercial. He was working on a Maytag washer. Working on the Maytag, working on the Maytag. (laughs) Boy, it's sure good to be actually working on a Maytag. It's been a while. (laughs) You know, that's the trouble with you Maytag washers and dryers. You're too dependable. It's not often that anybody needs us, Maytag repairmen. That's why we're the loneliest guys in town. But then we realize he's not repairing it. He's practicing on it. I'm working on a Maytag. Oh, no, dear. Did you have to take our Maytag apart again? There's the wife of a Maytag repairman. I thought you'd understand. How else can I keep in practice? Jesse White was a great character actor who would perform in nearly 70 Maytag commercials between 1967 and 1988. His nickname was Old Lonely. The only companion the repairman ever had was a forlorn basset hound called Newton, named after the town in Iowa where Fred Maytag built his first washing machines. When Jesse White passed away, another actor took over the role in 1989. His name was Gordon Jump. 
Well, you're fine. Anything else I can help you with? My job. It's so lonely. No one to talk to, no calls, nothing. I'm just not needed. What is it exactly you do again? I'm the Maytag repairman. Oh. At Maytag, all our washers and dryers are still built to last longer and need fewer repairs. Gordon Jump was another character actor, famous for playing hapless station manager Arthur Carlson on WKRP in Cincinnati. I worked with Gordon many times. He was a wonderful man. Gordon's hangdog face made for a perfect lonely repairman. He filmed Maytag commercials until he passed away in 2003. Then Maytag replaced Gordon with a number of actors over the next few years. Most recently, the Maytag repairman has undergone significant changes. He is slimmer, tailored, square-jawed, and handsome. You got a big game coming up. And Maytag would like to remind you that when the going gets tough, the tough make nachos in an oven tough enough to handle the most grande mound of munchies. Without thinking too hard, can you picture him? Probably not. That's the problem with replacing spokespeople. Over time, they tend to become more ordinary, homogenized, and forgettable. On Facebook, Matt Flanagan asks, How do you decide on the end credit special offer? I have always been curious, especially the little towns you mention. Well, Matt, every year we try and do something fun at the end of the show. The reason for that is because I want you to sit through the credits so you can hear the names of the people who work so hard on this show. In the past, we've done funny telephone messages, We've ended with absurd slogans from the 50s and 60s. And this year, we decided to poke fun at silly disclaimers, the void-were-prohibited kind of quick read you hear at the end of commercials. They're called tags in the ad biz. So our tags are always linked to the topic of each show. For example, in our annual Bookmarks episode, where I tell great stories from our research books, we said, Caution! Contents in your overhead bin may have shifted during insights. Limit of 100 books per customer, please. It's just silly, fun, advertising ease. As for the small towns we give a call out to, like Offer Only Valid in Whitefish, Ontario, we wanted to send a little love to our listeners in tiny towns across the country. And that's how we ended every episode. And since this is the last show of our 2021 season... It's the perfect question to end on. Thanks for all the great questions, and thank you to our listeners for all the wonderful support you give our show. We truly appreciate it. Some of the great questions you sent in are actually great episode ideas, so I'm keeping those babies in my back pocket for next season. This is the end of our 10th season of Under the Influence and our 16th on CBC, and we never take that for granted. I'd like to take a moment now to thank our amazing Under the Influence team who worked their hearts out for you every week. Our incredible producer who manages all the things that happen in the Terstream Mobile Recording Studio is Debbie O'Reilly. The man who makes us sound good is our sound engineer, Keith Oman. Those two wandering minstrels of our melody are composers Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. 
Our very inventive digital content producer is Sydney O'Reilly. Our remarkable resourceful researchers are Allison Pinches, Abby Forsyth, Patrick James Aslan, and Susan Kendall. Our groovy graphic designer is Callie Ray O'Reilly. The lady who tells you that you're under the influence every week is Angela Bodice. Our tag man with the big pipes is Tony Daniels. And thanks to the folks at CBC, especially Ian Cawthry, Susan Taylor, and the wonderful Barb Dickey. We'll be airing some of our archived episodes over the summer. Stay safe and healthy. We'll be under the influence again next January. I'm Terry O'Reilly. Remember, you can binge under the influence episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Binge away, friend. Offer valid everywhere. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.